dun, 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 dun. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the Unfiltered Crew? It is I, Christopher Roush, and Mr. Scott Goyette back here with another episode of the Unfiltered Experience, the place where we have unfiltered conversations designed to move your mindset and your perspective forward in the world so you can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. We're gathered here tonight. And uh, what's up, Mr. Scott? How are you doing this fabulous Friday night? You know, Chris, it's a good week because, you know, when you're about to go on a vacation, you're kind of tidying everything up. You're a little stressed, but you're feeling good. I'm in that week. I've been doing work on my car and I'm not like the super mechanic guy, but I did listen closely when my grandfather taught me things. So I'm putting in a cabin filter. I was replacing some stuff in the electrical system, just little stuff, but I have not made mistakes. That stuff's going to be behind me. And then next week I'm going to be getting on a plane going to the Maldives. So Ooh. I'm pretty excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ooh, the Maldives. That, then that's a vacation. That's not a working vacation. You're not. Are it's, you guys going to retreat? It's kind of a. So so Kim had an amazing deal. She's got a partnership with um a company that works with Club Med and other uh, all inclusive resorts. So she's going to be teaching some fitness stuff every morning. Teach a class, and uh, we end up going for free. Plus, she did some videos to create this. Um, I've got some miles and stuff for airlines. So this is a free trip that should cost. A lot of money we're doing pretty well with this one so if all goes according to plan i'm going to come back really really blissful and at peace so nice nice that that sounds like that sounds amazing i know you're traveling to the maldives and then on june 15th i leave to go to italy for for 15 Oof. days food 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 and good wine mm. well, i don't drink wine but i definitely you have to yeah, come on. I've tried. I've tried the most expensive wines. I've had people like take a sip of this, and I'm like, it still tastes like fucking grapes and vinegar. No, thank you. But if you're looking at a view in Tuscany and you're eating the best pasta, and there's just these friendly people around, you couldn't just drink a little bit of a super Tuscan wine, maybe, Chris? No, no. Okay, I'd have I to have a, I'll, 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 I'll have a gentleman Jack on the rocks, or I'll, I'll do something. I'll do something. Maybe I'll have a like a scotch or something. I'll be like really regal. Oh, there you go. That's cool. You, yeah. you know what? I'm just hoping. I am just hoping that these plans going according to plan because there has been so much craziness in the world of flying and travel. And there's, oh, yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, we got like Amsterdam shutting down, can't go through Tokyo because they change their rules every other day. Singapore wants this, wants that, doesn't want COVID, doesn't want this. Frankfurt in Germany has been an issue. Even oh. right here in Newark, there's been unions and there's always congestion. I mean, it's, it has been a nightmare with travel for a lot of people. And I'm just putting my hands together, being super Zen shaman guy saying, no, no, no. My plans are going to work perfectly. And so are Chris's. Yeah. And I think we might have a person today who can give us a little background on what it looks like. Because we're sitting here saying, my flight needs to be here on time. What's wrong with these people? Why mm -hmm. is this happening? Why is this country doing this? There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle which brings us to introduce our uh, our guest today. So I went and looked around and tried to find the best person for this. Is it a flight attendant? Is it somebody who works in behind the scenes on an airline? And I found a good friend who's a pilot for one of the major American airlines. And he works diligently making sure you get from point A to point B. And it's not always the scenario that he wants either. He can get stuck somewhere. He can't see his family. We're all suffering from it. So let's, without further ado, welcome my good friend, Chuck Mann. What's up, Chuck? Welcome to the Unfiltered Experience, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate we appreciate it. you being here, considering the fact that what Scott and I just talked about, we're going to be in yeah. the My wife's in Florida right now, flying back. And I heard over the Memorial mm -hmm. Weekend that I think over 2,000 flights were canceled. Yeah. That's just yeah. mind-blowing. Unprecedented. It's yeah. honestly uh, the most unreliable, I would say, the aviation industry has been since 
since I've been in it, you know, my dad was a commercial pilot, taught me how to fly. Uh, he worked at a, an airline starting in 87. So, um, you know, I've seen some ups and downs. We saw some weird times after 9-11. But by far, the last two years, weirdest, uh, most frustrating from a traveler's perspective, two years I've ever seen. Unprecedented. Absolutely. Mm. How long have you been flying? What got you into being a pilot? Yeah, like I said, my dad did it. Uh, he was a flight instructor. He owned a little airplane. He taught me how to fly. We spent time at the airport. I mean, that was my childhood. A lot of a lot of kids grew up in the baseball field or on the basketball court. And, I, you know, I love sports, but I grew up at airports. You know, my dad had a little airplane and would hang out with his friends. And I would I would jump in all their planes and pretend to fly World War II bombing missions. And, you know, I'd spend 12 hours a day just in Amesbury, Massachusetts, right down the street from where I met Scott. This little grass runway where my dad kept his plane. And, uh, I loved it. I fell in love with it from three. My dad, um, my dad was teaching me how to fly hardcore, probably from 10 on by about 15. Wow. I could do everything myself. Uh, soloed, flew by myself on my 16th birthday, got my license on my 17th birthday, got my first flying job at 18, first airline at 23. And, wow. uh, yeah, blessed, very blessed. Not everyone. And now you're doing that with your like kids. That. You got your yeah. kids in the plane with you. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I sent you guys a picture. I have four, and uh, the first three, pretty indifferent. They like it. They like the A to B. They like flying for free. They like travel. <laughs> Not so much interested in flying. My four-year-old loves it. He can't get enough. He wants to go fly. So. <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So that's the, that's the fun part. You know, um, we, we, we've all been in a plane, or, or most of us been in a plane at some point. Um, I've been blessed to take a few flying lessons myself, and, and I started – getting involved too, because I, you know, like you, I'm like, I'm, it's fun to be up there controlling. It's fun. The only difference with, I'm one of these people and you know this about me, Chuck is I'll go into something so like full throttle and then I'll just go crazy with it yeah. that I was sitting there in the middle of it going, do we really need to be trying to buy airplanes and taking on one more thing? And so after my second flight lesson, I just said, listen, I'm going to fly commercial. I've got some friends with planes. I'll just fly with them. And it was weird for me to back off of that because I love that side of it. Let's it. talk about the other side of it. So the fun part is you're flying, you're you're doing all the stuff that you love. There's a lot of flight attendants out there who have made a decision to not make a ton of money, but have the ability to see the world and see new perspectives. But right now, everybody <laughs> is taking some heat. The pilot did this wrong. The, the flight attendant did this wrong, especially people up in first class or business class and international are just chirping away and just bitching about everything. And and listen, the food and Polaris for United, which I know is competition to you, but for the food and Polaris, it's I'm I'm blown away that they can serve that to, like at, in these flights when somebody's paying ten grand for a flight. Yeah. So there's a lot of things <laughs> to complain about. Seats broken, no internet, um, not showing up on time, yeah. canceling a flight two minutes before, lost luggage. Where do you start? What can you start to tell everybody here? from a pilot's perspective, like what are you seeing and what do we need to look at? Cause it's, it's stressful yeah. for all of us. It's so stressful. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's a lot to unpack and where to even start. Uh, you know, we, we all are professionals and we take this professionalism and, and we try to, you know, we try to, to deliver the best product we can, but as a, a pilot flight attendant, we're the frontline workers, right? We're, we're showing up when we're supposed to show up and we're doing the job the best we can. Um, Unfortunately, the, the staffing shortages coming out of COVID have crippled the entire industry. I mean, uh, my company has canceled hundreds of flights a day in perpetuity. And it's not just pilots, right? I, I do want to get back to what you said about 
you know, you dive headfirst into everything you do, Scott. I've, I've seen that a million <laughs> times, right? And to see you back off, you kind of intimated that the cost, right? The cost would get crazy. Well, no one's becoming a pilot now. It's very cost prohibitive upfront with no guarantee wow. that you're going to be a major airline pilot, right? It's, it's a, it's a pretty big risk, 80 to a hundred thousand dollars to go from not having a pilot's license to, to being eligible to go work at an airline with absolutely no guarantee that an airline is going to hire you. And, and people look at that cost benefit right now and, uh, not a lot of people are making that leap to, to dive in and go be a pilot. So uh, major pilot shortage is a, is a humongous factor, right? All the baby boomers born in the 40s and 60s, yeah. the FAA has a mandatory retirement age of 65. They're all hitting 65 right now. I think uh, Delta is retiring 500 pilots a month. Whoa. Wow. When you look at an airline like uh, JetBlue has 5,000 pilots, right? Imagine that's 10% of their workforce. Is retiring a month now jeff Blue doesn't have that many retirements uh you put united's right up there united's 300 pilots a month as these boomers retire uh the fa is bouncing around the idea of extending the mandatory retirement age from 65 to 67 as a as a stop gap as a finger in the dike but sure it, it, it's a it's a supply and demand issue there's not enough young new pilots entering the workforce um and, how do you and see that the, shifting how do you see that shifting well i mean uh, airlines have gotten so creative. Uh, all, most of the major airlines now have a uh, an ab initio program, uh, which has been happening in Europe forever. Like an airline like Lufthansa is taking forever. For as long as I can remember, Lufthansa is grooming pilots from no time through their own flight schools and putting them in the right seat of their jets at 500 hours of experience. Uh, the American carriers, you have to have 1,500 hours to, to be a pilot at a major airline, but um, all of the major airlines are starting this this new program. I know, um, I, I don't know what United calls theirs, but they're taking zero time pilots, putting them through their training program. They become an instructor for X amount of time. They fly at a regional airline and boom, they're at United within three to five years for a, a you know, 80 to $100,000 initial investment. Um, a lot of the airlines are doing that, but you know, it's a stopgap. It's, it's not going to fill the, the, the incredible demand. I mean, people came out of COVID and said, we are traveling, you know, two years of telling people you, you can't go places has yeah. created this pent up demand that all the airlines were hoping for. And it is, it's blown expectations out of the water. People are traveling. It is busy. I was in Vienna two weeks ago. I, I flew to Bratislava, took the train to Vienna, flew home from Vienna, packed. I took Turkish air through, uh, Vienna to Istanbul and uh, into Boston packed a hundred, hundred percent business class and, and economy packed. Uh, the Turkish airport, Istanbul airport was jammed. Uh, people are back and flying. Um, but the, the pilot shores, the tip of the iceberg, right? Think of the infrastructure required to get you to the Maldives. Right? You, you need, you know, hundreds of people working in the baggage department. You need, uh, you know, 50 to a hundred people working the, the gate, the ticket agent, position. Uh, TSA is, is shorthanded, right? I mean, we're seeing a record number of, of, of waiting times in TSA. I think Boston's Orlando insane. Orlando's the insane. worst. Orlando's sure. hours. hours. I, I think airlines in Orlando this this travel season in the spring were asking uh, customers to arrive three hours before their scheduled flying time. To get Chuck, I don't know if you saw, like, because we had, a, we had this, like, there's one or two days and it wasn't like expected times. It wasn't even like the day after a festival. It was just a random business day. 
everyone was dropping off their rental cars and they were leaving them on the street coming in. So the whole airport is shut down. They had to go like get the cars and get them in. It's go, go Google it. It was insane. Yeah. And I go into this airport. Like if that happened when I was trying to come in, I, I don't even know what I would do. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I got to get to this flight that I'm never yeah. flying by accident. I'm yeah. going somewhere. <laughs> so that's it's crazy. wild. And I mean, rental cars, we, we could just go down the line, right? Oh, I mean, rental yes. cars, the, the big the rental car companies were doing no business for a year and a half for 18 months. So what they do, they sold off their inventory and now they have no inventory. Go look at rental car prices. It's banana land. I mean, you used to be able to pick up a car for 20 bucks a day. You absolutely cannot. You can't touch anything for under 60, 75 bucks a day. So it, the, the entire infrastructure of travel is taxed and... Uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's it's a tough time right now, but it's happening and we're getting it done. People are getting it done. And, um, you know, you, I think we just need to change our expectations a little bit, right? This isn't five years ago where everything went like clockwork. You know, this is unprecedented. We're coming out of two unprecedented years and we're figuring it out. Certainly okay. getting better. Certainly getting better. You know, airlines, airlines do not like the bad PR. And, and all the airlines across the board have scaled back their flying. They're like, we've got to get this. We've got to get this under control, hmm. which isn't necessarily great for the traveler. Uh, your your experience should be a little bit better. But unfortunately, you're going to pay. You're going to pay a lot more than, uh, than you were paying before because, you know, the volume is down. Capacity is up. Supply and demand, it, it is expensive to go fly right now. Wow. And so, Chuck, when you're talking about that, the first thing that pops into my mind, if there's scarcity in resources, does that equate to scarcity in safety and security? Great question. Fantastic question. Fantastic yeah, question. Top of mind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there is a pressure. I don't know if I want to know the answer. That's that's the other part of it. I'm like, yeah, fly in 15 days. I'm like, mm. yeah, there's a pressure for, for sure. Yeah. Um, but as professionals, you know, we, we have to, as a pilot, as me personally, I can't speak for everybody, but I can definitely speak for the people I'm friends with, the people I work with. Safety is unwavering. And, and I will give my company credit. And I will have to say that almost every airline has to run this way, that if we use the safety word, then it's okay. You know, let's, we're going to have a reset here. And uh, the industry has come so far in in the last 10 years, you know, since uh, I was at a different airline 10 years ago. And, but, but just watching this progression over the last 10 years, there is, um, there's a lot less liability on the pilot. If the pilot says, I'm, I'm going to stop now. And cause I'm feeling a little unsafe Good. and we, we have, I would say absolutely unprecedented power right now to take a safety timeout to stop, uh, and especially right now, the, the schedule is maxed out. Our, our pilots are flying to their FAA limits daily, weekly, monthly, annually. You know, it's all hands on deck. And, and companies are incentivizing pilots to work more by paying them more. And so we're all working more than we're accustomed to. But uh, airlines can't afford an accident. And they realize that, you know, <clears throat> cancellations are expensive. Delays are expensive they're uh, a scratch of the surface to an accident or an incident. And, and they understand that. And, and we have programs in place that protect us. If, if maybe we make a mistake, we can, we can self-disclose that mistake and, and, 
it keeps us free from retribution by self-disclosing. It's there's an ASAP program. I wish I knew the acronym for it, but it's basically we self-disclose. Hey, I made a mistake on that trip, you know. And um, and the FAA realized 20 years ago that you know we need a new way because we all lied, right? We all made a mistake. Was don't tell anybody, you know. Bullshit, you know. Ooh, Flew back on two engines. We fucked that up, you know. Uh, and the FAA realized, ooh, this isn't really the best way to 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 see the mistakes we're making. So they, they give us this ASAP program that lets us self-disclose mistakes we've made and holds us harmless as long as it wasn't something egregious or intentional. Um, but the airlines understand safety safety is paramount. You, you know, you can. It's hard to come back from a, an egregious accident, and and I would say the especially the carriers in the United States, amazing. This is the safest time to fly that I've ever been a commercial pilot, and it's not even close. I mean, it's light years. Our programs are. Our training program, I have to go back to train every year. Um, and the, the module for that training section it isn't completed until about six months before I go because they want to give me real-time scenarios. That Amer that uh, Air France accident coming out of South America, that yep. Airbus that crashed. Uh, it was kind of an unpre unprecedented incident, right? They, they got some ice on the pitot tubes. The pilots were getting some bad information. They were up at altitude and stalled the airplane. And uh, every stall I've ever done in training in a jet is down at uh, 10,000 feet where you have tons of power and you can you just throw the power up and you power right out of it. There's no extra power when you're up at 34,000 feet. The engines are running at, at peak efficiency. They don't have a little extra. So uh, the last time I went to training right after that accident, we went and did high up to stalls and it was eye opening and it was real and it was something that had happened and it prepared us and um, by far the safest time I've ever been an airline pilot without a doubt so chuck here's here's a question for you and and it's um kind of a loaded question but do you think that this actually is a good thing that's happening because you know chris and i are always talking on our show about the fact that COVID is creating an awakening for all of us like all the things that we're not receiving or we're being more grateful we're we're waking up to that hey you know we're in control of things we don't we need to rely on everybody else we need to bring ourselves to max capacity to be part of the world. One of the things that um, I'm actually in a group for 1K and global service members with um, United, because I love to see what's really going on here. And one of the things that um, I heard somebody complaining about, and I just thought it was ridiculous, and it shows that they do lack empathy, is they were saying, I was waiting for two hours in Newark and I couldn't get to the gate. We were already there and I missed my appointment and I'm livid. And then the question was asked was why? And they said there's thunder and lightning. And they said, well, those gates are automated. They should be fine. Let's bullshit because somebody has to put, you know, the under the tire, put the stopper. Somebody has to get that. There's there's people who cannot be walking around out on the tarmac when there's lightning coming down. Right. So the ignorance, the inability to be empathetic and it's me, 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 me. There's a lot of opportunity for awakening because of this problem. So Chris mentioned it to start the problem is solution. One of the things I want to start talking about with you is we have a perceived problem. What can we do to be part of the solution? Like telling that person, hey, there's more to it. You know, as we awaken together, maybe this travel issue becomes the thing that's bigger than 9-11. Because after 9-11, we all come together. But now, what about not just come together, but come together with action and actual sustainable change to build a better world together? Which means some of these things have to fall apart. So I love the fact that you're saying, even though there's less people, even though there might be somebody with only 500 hours instead of 1500 hours, there's this ASAP, there's this, I'm not 
just going, oh shit, no one knows I do that. I'll just sign off on that. You're being more intentional. So even though we're saying, okay, well then we're safe because we had more hours. Now we're intentional with those hours. So let's talk about that. What is it that's going on right now that we can see a positive in? I love that question. And I, I love it. You know, part of our problem is we've, we've gotten so good, right? Like airline mm -hmm. travel has been so good that people book this flight and they get there and they land within a few minutes of when they were supposed to land. They walk to the rental car counter, the car's ready, they grab their key. They woke up in New Hampshire. They are driving their car in Orlando to the park four and a half hours later, yeah. you know, and it's gotten so good that it's like, that is the expectation. And, and it's almost like we've lost sight of, you know, you're, you're going to this hub where uh, at a Boston, we have a thousand flights a day. Okay. So it's a thousand flights a day. We're handling hundreds of thousands of people. TSA is handling over a million people a day. Uh, you're, you're flying at 600 miles an hour, 36,000 feet. You're going 1200 miles in two and a half hours. You're, you're going down, you're, 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 you're migrating into this process with thousands of other people. And, and, and we've done it so seamlessly for so long. There's, there was certainly a, a bit of taking for granted how spectacular it is we're doing, you know, Amen. what we're doing. And I was driving home from the golf course thinking about talking to you guys. And I was imagining the Wright brothers 120 years ago, right? Yeah. With a kite on the beach in North Carolina. <laughs> and I just, I really wish we could, I wish we could hammer down time travel. I wish I could have 10 minutes with him. I wish I could take him in the cockpit of my Airbus for 10 minutes. And say, hey guys, you know, we're going to take off in Boston. We're going to land in Orlando in two and a half hours. We're going to go 80% the speed of sound. We're going to get some lunch. Uh, would you like something to drink? Grab a seat in your, your, your reclining chair here. We, don't worry, we have all the weather. I have high speed Wi Fi on my iPad. I know where the weather is. We're going to go around some thunderstorms around Georgia. 120 years ago, we didn't have airplanes. And now we're, now we're going around the world with this consistency and, um, and this comfort. You know, high speed internet, TV. We're, we're connected. We're, we, we've taken for granted how, how hard the pro, how, how difficult the process can be, right? And, and some weather. I, I had, I was going, it doesn't matter where I was going. I, I, was, I think I was going into one of the New York airports in Florida. And uh, this kid's on the phone. And he's like, hey, my mom said it's not raining in New York anymore. You know, why haven't we left? And it was an opportunity, right? Naturally, my Irish side was like, hey, go fuck yourself. You know? <laughs> But I was like, yeah, you know what? I have an opportunity here. I have an uh, educational exactly. opportunity. And I said, yeah, I, 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 I have it right here. I have this thing that my company has given me. I have real-time weather. Uh, so we're flying into New York today. And uh, there, at our arrival time, there were uh, 160 other flights that were scheduled to arrive at the exact same minute we were. Right? And they're coming from Jacksonville. And they're coming from Georgia. And they're coming from the West Coast. And so for an hour in New York, no flights could land. All right. So now now there's this backlog of 400 flights. Well, the, the airport can still only receive and, and I'm making these numbers up just to just to make it easy. But the airport can only receive 150 flights an hour. Right. So now we have this backlog of 400 flights. So the FAA gave us all a time where we can depart to, to fill us all in. And so I explained this all to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, but my mom said it's, it's still not, it's not raining there anymore. Like, OK, you know, I, I tried to educate you. I, I did my best. But, you know, it. These things happen. And when you think of like an airport like New York, Atlanta, Orlando, L.A., these the flights are all orchestrated. Every airline has a slot time. You, you don't just get to say, oh, I'm going to L.A. tomorrow. Right. You have to 
you have to get the slot from the airline or from the airport authority. Uh, and all these slots are doled out so that, you know, there's a steady flow of traffic. And, and when there's a hiccup, when there's weather, when a, when a plane breaks down on a runway, when, when any, any kind of possible delay happens, it ripples. And, uh, you know, for airlines that have headquarters in New York or, or in Florida or, you know, Delta in Atlanta in the summer when the weather rolls through there. I mean, when you think of the crippling ripple effect of a delay in Atlanta, it, it's amazing Delta can, can operate through the summer, but they do. And, but people aren't, aren't aware of that. You know, they don't understand why, you know, I'm in Orlando, I'm going to Boston. Why is my flight delayed? Because there was a storm in Atlanta. You know, your, your plane was going into Atlanta, then to Orlando. The planes never stop. I mean, my airline is built on efficiency. Our, our airplanes never stop. Our, our airplanes are have a two-hour maximum break in a six-day window. The, the airplane never stops for more than two wow. hours. So, uh, you know, I, long, very, very long way to explain that. We, we've gotten really accustomed to it being fantastic. We've really done a fantastic job for a long time, and it's been efficient, and it's and people are really struggling with, you know, well, why isn't it working now? You know, or, or why, why is this happening to me? And yeah. Wait, well, the other thing I want to ask you, and kind of like we were talking about that, about delays and whatnot, the last two times I've flown, and I just recently heard this from a friend of mine, they wanted to know why the flights are always overbooked when we're experiencing a shortage of staff. So like every time, like I was literally, when I was in Detroit last year and I thought they were making this up, they said, anybody who's willing to delay their flight will get, I think it was like $1,500. Yeah. We'll give you a hotel room. I'm like, I was like 1500, but I want to go home too bad. But they were like doing that. Why are they still overselling the flights if the, if the, if there's such a demand shortage? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I work for an airline that doesn't oversell its flights. Uh, okay. So that's a, that's one of our founding principles. Uh, but there's also a, a, a in general a five percent no show on any given flight on any given day. So really? the, the airlines are are rolling the dice, and and if those five percent show up, then man, it, it creates a snag. Uh, I, I I don't know. I wonder going forward if they're going to continue to oversell like they are because of the reduction in schedule, and it's it's so much harder now to reaccommodate people because. It, like I said, every airline has reduced their schedule. So the frequency is just not there. You know, um, you know, my airline used to do Boston to DC 12 times a day. I think we're doing six now. So if you, if you leave someone who's trying to get to DC, it's much harder to reaccommodate them. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I wish I had a good answer. The airlines, I'm just a pilot. The, you know, the people that run the airline, they've done the, they run the numbers. They say occasionally if we have to pay someone fifteen hundred bucks, the the eight out of ten times where we filled every seat and didn't leave anybody behind, it's it's worth it to to pay someone fifteen hundred bucks once or twice a day. They've run the economics and it works. So I don't know. Nice. But, well, that, that's know, literally what it comes down to is data. I mean, some yeah. of these like crunching numbers. I mean, above and beyond all of this, you know, you know, one of the things um just to go slightly off topic, but. One of the reasons HEB, which is the best grocery store here in Texas, does so well, they do. And you, you've you been here when you were in Corsa Canada. The reason yep. they do so well, and I don't know if you know this, is they hire all of their um, management management trainees from um, the Ivy League schools, from Wharton, Harvard, wherever. And they bring them through a training program for two years that you have to work on level with everybody else. So you'll be a, gro you'll be a bagger. You'll be yeah. an wow. assistant chair. I had no so, idea. So they do that. And the reason they do that is they create this massive efficiency of understanding what people are going through. 
And then what they do is they literally crunch numbers. It's, it's, it's all data. This person wants this, this. So I'm sure that what's happening with the major airlines is you've got somebody in there saying there will be somebody who is willing to do this. The numbers say this. I mean, it's definitely a it's not killing us from a customer service perspective. And you know this as well as I do, Chuck. Even if somebody's a little bit upset, our airlines are subsidized by the government. So somebody like Emirates can't come in. Singapore Air can't come in. Thai Airways can't come in who has exceptional service because they wouldn't be able to compete with the, the what they're paying. And another thing that you know, too, that other people don't know is, you know, when you go fly Thai Airways and you say how amazing it is, that's also massively government subsidized and they're losing money to create tourists, tourism in Thailand. So when you are on that plane saying, why can't we have food like this? It's being sponsored by the government so that you go there to enjoy Thailand. Yeah. So there's things that people don't see and they want to comment on and they don't fully understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a frustrating time. You know, I've always been proud to be a pilot, but it's certainly uh, and my airline in particular it has been a, a badge of honor for me since I've been there yeah. in nine years. But in the last six months, a year, I've gotten more text messages. That, Come, man, I'm in Cancun. What are you guys doing? You know, like uh, it's it, man, it's tough. It's tough. And and, you know, I. I think all the airlines could improve maybe a communication, right? Like yes. if, and that's been a tenet of, of my airline from the day I was trained, they, they wanted to be more transparent than all the other airlines were. And sometimes I don't like it, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, let's say I get called out on reserve. I have to be at the airport two and a half hours. And, um, you know, that, that for, for whatever reason, I'm the pilot for this flight that's now running late. Well, our gate agents will make an announcement and they say, well, we're waiting on our pilot who's coming in. He was called out. You know, so I walk up to the gate and it's like, oh, is he? and it's embarrassing. I find it completely embarrassing that everyone knows they're waiting on me. And now I finally arrived and, you know, I don't want the attention. I just want to go do my job. Um, so sometimes the transparency can be a, a little embarrassing, but um, it, it's been, that's been a pillar of this, of this airline and um, in a way that a lot of the other airlines come up short, right? You don't know what's going on. I feel like we can all handle a delay better if, if we have a, a an understanding of what's going on. You know, why? Why is this? Like, why am I here two hours? Why? Why is it departure time? And I haven't heard a thing. And that's that's I find that frustrating. I travel in the back a lot as a regular customer, too. And, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, the, there's no plane here. It's not on time. This flight's clearly not on time. Why? What's going on? Uh, I think we'd all be better at communication. So that's that, that's a really good point. And that's another one of those that crosses from you know transportation to real life. I mean, think of where 90 percent of our issues right now as a, as a world, you know, whether it's in our own relationships, communicating with a spouse, with our children, uh, with supervisors, with subordinates, with friends, with family, we're failing. And then we create a divisiveness. So if that's the case, which I agree with you. What are some of the things that you would suggest to the airline or to fellow pilots or to fellow flight attendants that they can start doing to to communicate better? Because I'll, I'll share one little story that I thought was beautiful communication. And this was actually pre-COVID. But a guy came in. I was sitting in the, the right side of first class. And right in that first seat was like 1B or whatever it is. Um, someone walked in. And the guy sits down. And he's just he's going... This is the third time like that I didn't get a flight. If this one doesn't go like, and he's yelling at the lady and she goes like this, you're waiting for like the confrontation. She goes, I can only imagine what you're going through today. I know you need to be somewhere. 
I'm going to do everything I can do to be here for you. I just really want to see your day go better. And and, wow. and, oh. and, and the way she said it, wow. the way she said it, I was like, because you know what you want to say and then your mouth opens? <laughs> like that sounded beautiful. But when somebody comes in just so bitching in your face and he literally just said, thank you. Thank you. And he goes, he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, I, he goes, I'm sorry. And I just watched the whole thing diffuse. And I feel like everyone like it was on their like, you know, phones pretending like they weren't listening going, that was some amazing shit. We were all probably like putting it into like social media going, you just, you, you should have seen what I just saw. But I hope, so. I hope someone noticed it. I, I hope so. Oh, I, I noticed right. it and I know everybody felt it. I know we, yeah. And I, I definitely commented on it. It was somewhere. I sent something out. But so to my point, what are some of the action steps that we could take in doing things like that? Or how can we communicate better to start the ripple effect to make the healing happen, both in transportation and yeah. all of the life? It's a great point. And it's, you know, it's this classic thing of the, the passengers have been frustrated and they're beating up on the flight attendants. So naturally, the flight attendants are frazzled, right? And, and maybe yeah. they've had enough and maybe they're sick of it. And, and maybe they're, you know, it's, I always give this example of, you know, how do I put this? Um, the people beating up on the flight attendants on, on the flight from Boston to Orlando, right? That flight ran late. So those people beat up on the flight attendants all the way to Orlando. In well, now the way, family, in what way? Like beat up, like just verbally know, abusive or yelling at, yeah, you know, complaining to the flight attendant, your airline sucks. You know, this is the third time I've flown this week. I'm delayed. This is, you know, my seat sucked. The Wi-Fi sucked on the last plane, and you suck, and your airline sucks. And you know, the, the flight attendant sort of absorbs that, and and then gets to Orlando, and then the family gets on to Orlando. who just went to Disney, and they're having a great time. And, and now the flight attendant's kind of standoffish, right? Like she's just been beat up for three hours, and and naturally she's sort of lost her hope, you know, or she's been demoralized, she's been crushed, and 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 she didn't have that that fighting spirit anymore. And now the family's like, man, our flight attendant's kind of in a bad mood, you know, and. Uh, you know, how do you stop that cycle? How do you, how do you, how do you separate it? Right? Like, man, that person beat me up, but I, I got to keep my spirit up. I got to keep going. And, um, you know, I see with flight tenants, the, the interaction that maybe flight tenants have with pilots, right? We, we have a very small number of pilots who can be, uh, yeah, I don't know how to put it. I need to put it delicately, but you know, don't treat the flight tenants the best, right? They treat them like the help and they don't treat them like, uh, we're on a team here. You know, and then I come down and, and I get this standoffishness and, you know, I have to understand that, you know, maybe she just or he just flew a six hour flight with a guy that was kind of beating him up, you know, and I try to go out of my way. Hey, guys, I'm going to run to Starbucks. What do you guys want? Something as simple as that. And I, yeah. and I look at my flight attendant's eye and they go, really? Really? You're going to go, you don't mind? I'm like, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't mind. And you can just see it's like, a, you know, yes. a puppy that's has been abused for the last six hours. You know, it's, um, it's a cycle and it's like anything else. It's, it's, it's a microcosm of any other industry, right? You know, you see the cashier at the grocery store, mm -hmm. they're getting, they're getting bitched at because milk's eight bucks a gallon. You know, it's not her fucking fault. She's making $14 a fucking hour. You know, she's going to school. She's got a kid. She's doing the best she can. Yeah. Not her fault milk's eight bucks a gallon. But you see the guy in front of you who's bitching at her because, oh my God, look at this, look at this goddamn bill, $114. 
I'm the guy in line that'll say something to that guy and also make that that cash register I make her day smile I because you are, and that's yeah. why you gotta do what you do. But I'll grab you know, the guy, give him a hug, and then give her a hug because yeah. it throws people really off. They're like, "What just happened?" So you guys are nice. I'm the guy. I'll throw twenty dollars and I say, "Here's here's twenty. Shut the fuck up and get the fuck out of here." You know? <laughs> I like Chuck. I like Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Chuck Chuck's our people. Chuck's our people. But to your point, Chuck, here's a question I have. When this is what I was thinking about the last couple of times I've flown. I've actually thought about the unruly passenger. We've seen the reports of people being duct taped. You saw Mike Tyson punch the shit out of the guy, which I thought he deserved. We're seeing that. What is your recommendation? Well, actually, first of all, do you have a story of an unruly passenger that you had that you had to deal with? But also, what recommendation do you have for us passengers if we see that happening? Because I see the, the the stewardesses, the flight attendants, they're not they're not capable like me and you all the, all those guys. Is it incumbent upon us to try to help the flight attendants to to calm that passenger down, or should we stay in our spot? I mean. What are some of your thoughts on that? And have you had yeah. any experiences with that? Because I've, I've heard some amazing things that just are mind-blowing. That's a great question. Every year I go through training, we get uh, flexible handcuffs. We get them reissued to us from our security guy. Um, and he said in the last two years, he's had to reissue more flexible handcuffs. And, but he said, sorry, excuse me. Um, he's seen more instances of crew members traveling in the back have grabbed their flexible cuffs or, or have had to become additional crew members on flights that they were just passengers on because of the unruliness. Mm. Um, it, I feel like it's like anything else, you know, like uh, I find it disappointing when, when a fellow human is in need and people react by pulling out a phone and like, Oh, this is, this is going to get clicks. I'm going to record this, you know, like, yeah. and I know we're all different, but my instinct is if, if someone obviously needs some help, um, the phone is the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm like, I'm going to go help this person. Um, I've had to, I've had to step up and help when I was in the cabin. Uh, a woman actually, I was in the, the second or third row and this woman in the front row got up and tried to open the door <laughs> and I jumped up and, you know, I don't know what I was going to do, but I was like, this isn't good, you know? And, uh, it turns out she was, she was going through something. I, I don't know what was going on with her. She was, um, uh, she had just kind of lost her mind for a second. I, I, I don't know. It was like a bad reaction or, or something. It, it wasn't anything nefarious or intentional, but you know, I think as humans, we need a lot more of, of, of stepping up to help. And I, I don't think we have to be uh, necessarily ready to go fight about it, you know, but let's go, let's go help a flight attendant, you know, who's maybe there's a big guy who's, who's got a problem and, and you know, maybe we can talk to him and diffuse it a little bit. Like, yeah. Uh, but Absolutely. Uh, flight attendants have this uh, acronym ABP, able-bodied person. And so they size up everyone that gets on the airplane and they make a mental note of, you know, that's a, that's a big, 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 tough looking guy. If I need his help, I'm going to go, I'm going to know where he's sitting. Oh, it's cool. You can ask a flight attendant, you know, hey, you notice any ABPs? And she's like, yeah, 5A is a ABP, 12D is an ABP. There's people that can maybe help us if, if something happens. But yeah, I, I think, I think it's up to us. I think it's up to the community. You know, the, the flight attendants are frazzled and they're getting worked hard and overworked. And uh, I think they'd love to see an ally on a flight, you know, to, to step cool. up and defend them when, when something's right. You know, don't, don't get on a plane looking for a fight, but by all means, if, if someone's being, you know, absolutely over the top or, or you know, so, I, I don't know if there's a situation where I could help, I will 100% I'm going to get up and help and, you know, I think that's just a human thing. I don't think it's a pilot thing or a, a 
season mm-hmm. traveler thing. And I don't think it's just an airplane. It's just, I think we need a lot more of that, a lot more of stepping up for what's right and helping someone who may need some help. And Amen. Love I think that. it's gotten a lot better. I really do. It's the last six months have been a lot better than the previous 18 before that. You know, it was, uh, we, we've really seen things level off when it comes to the unruly behavior. Good. Um, good, good. Yeah. I, I hope we're getting better. And another beautiful thing is just what you said is just showing the fragility of humanity because whether it's the person who's being ridiculous or, or whether intentionally or unintentionally going toward the door to open it. I mean, I've had moments of panic attacks or whatever. I can only imagine if there was a space where, you know, just the world felt like it was closing in. And Chris, you talked about this when you were sleeping, you know, in your, in your camper and you said you had that kind of um, impending doom feeling. Oh yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine that you're sitting in the plane, you have impending doom and you have to get out of the plane because the plane's the problem, which is very possible. Yeah. You know, you're, you're feeling claustrophobic, something kicks yeah. in, some old phobia, some PTSD. That is not unreasonable, especially since we've compartmentalized so many emotions because how do we process it? We're sitting at home. We've got the kids with us. We've got the wife with us. We haven't been able to go out. We got this. We got this. We got this. And and without tools, which you and I share, Chris, to process these emotions, many, if not most Americans or most people worldwide right now are definitely inflated with emotions that are unprocessed. Oh, so yeah. if you're bringing all those people into a tube that's flying through the air, then of course it's going to be problems. So my suggestion is exactly what Chuck was saying is whatever skill set you bring to the table, bring it. If you're somebody who a last resort is a jujitsu guy, you know, need to drop somebody, drop somebody. If you have to, mine would be, Hey guys, you know, like, you know, she's just doing her best. I know you guys are having a tough day too. What are you guys drinking? I'm going to throw yeah. something like that out there and be exactly. cool. And they're also looking going, that's a big guy, not being confrontational. So they're probably going to be like, Oh, I'm drinking this. I go, dude, they have Buffalo Trace. You, ever, If you're not a whiskey guy, get it. So, I mean, it's free, right? Just drink it. And I'm going to make, make it funny. And I'll well, probably do find that as Buffalo Trace. I'd like to ride on them a little bit more. That'd be- so, <laughs> no, United does have Buffalo Trace. You, so, you knew exactly where I was going with that. And how do they serve Bacardi rum? It's like, come on, dude. You can't have Buffalo Trace and then have Bacardi. That's a smack in the face of rum drinkers. So, yeah, we don't need to go down that road, but but I know every <laughs> alcohol on every plane. I know which is my go-to because I'm certainly not going to drink some of that swill that you're trying to throw at me. So, but that can awesome. diffuse a lot of problems. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. <laughs> so awesome, my problems right now. Yeah. It's a well, speaking of, of drinking, there. speaking of drinking, what about this this controversy about pilots showing up to the job site a little 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 teetotaler and they're they're stressed out they're working extra hours they're doing all those things they want to go grab a couple of drinks and just kind of calm down what are your thoughts on that yeah stinks you know as a pilot as a professional it's a it's you know it's a a black eye on the uh, on our industry uh, on my profession uh and i mean (laughs) you know i'm not gonna be a hypocrite here i'm drinking a nice little double ipa but i don't work till sunday cheers uh you know there's pretty strict rules about when we can drink and when we can't drink. I think uh, most airlines are a standard eight hours to 12 hours before duty. You, you got to stop drinking. Um, and, and I will say, you know, at least in my company, if there's any question, it, it, if you wake up, let's say in the morning and maybe overdid it, it got away from you, you know? And my question is my, my airline is pretty understanding even that morning two hours to go before the flight, if, if I've evaluated myself and I'm not ready to go, it's similar to the ASAP, you may have to answer a few more questions 
But if you're honest, you know, if you're honest with your boss and say, hey, you know what? The night got away from me and I, uh, I, I couldn't go that day. There's a lot more respect for you to, to say, I'm shutting it down. You know, I, I, it got away from me. We've all had a night that got away from us, right? Now, uh, when I'm at work, I really try to, you know, I'm constantly driven by my watch. I'm constantly aware of when I have to be awake, when I have to be on the van to the airport, what time my flight is leaving. And I mean, this is, sorry, this is a fantastic career. I'm not doing anything to jeopardize this career, right? This, this career I have is putting my four kids through college, is paying for this house I just bought. Uh, uh, unbelievable to think of jeopardizing it for, for a night out of fun. But the airlines are, from what I've seen, and at least from my airline, there's very little retribution if you wake up and you do that evaluation and you realize, I'm, it got away from me. I'm, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to call in sick. They're going to pay you for the rest of the trip. You're going to go home. You probably will never have to answer another question about it. But if you, it, you know, if you wake up after a night like that and then you put that uniform on and you go to work, by all means, you deserve to go. You deserve to never fly an airplane again because that I don't want a pilot who can't make a better decision than that. You know, yeah. if, if you woke up feeling like that, like, <clears throat> I'm still going to go put 150 people behind me and try to, no way. It's not, we have to be too good at what we do. We're making, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to make it sound like uh, what I do is all that fantastic. It's, it's automated. It's pretty easy. I'm not the sharpest guy in the room and I do a pretty good job at it, but we have to make a lot of decisions in a, in a short amount of time. We have to oh, take yeah. a lot of information and make a decision based on that information very quickly. And anything that that numbs or dulls or delays that decision making process, I want no part of when I go to work. And if you've if you've chosen to make that decision to go do it, then I've no sympathy for you at all. I mean, I know. No, don't get me wrong. Alcoholism runs hand in hand with this type A personality. That the type of person that's a pilot is a type A. Uh, it, it just it goes hand in hand with with drinking to excess, you know. And, uh, um, so I am sympathetic. I'm sympathetic if you have a real problem. And, you know, if you show up to work that that tanked, you have a problem. You know, and it's too bad you, you couldn't get the get the handle on it before you showed up for work. But by the, when you put that uniform on, you showed up to the airplane. You chose to put everyone at risk, and I'm I'm very unsympathetic when it comes to that. You know. So quick quick question then. So Amen. what what would you say is like? Uh, I mean, uh, here's a question. Let's go to you first. How many times have you ever done that? Have you ever done that, or do you want to even? Uh, you know, I would say years ago at a previous airline, I, I think I had one or two where I was like, after the fact, I was like, that probably wasn't the best choice. You know, that was, that was probably questionable. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, I also bought my own, my own breathalyzer just so I could know where I'm at. Right. Cause we've always heard about BAC, that. right. But how do you know where you're at? Do you exactly. know, have you ever woken up in the morning? and known where you were at. So I bought my own breathalyzer and uh, it was very eye-opening. There were yeah. times where I woke up and I was like, I'm hammered. And I blow in this thing and it's zero, zero, right? And there were times where I drank half of what I drank. I had twice the rest and I blow in that thing and I'm, point, I'm still 0.10. Wow. Hmm. You know, so many That's factors that they all talk about what you ate, how much yep. good sleep you got. Did you get some exercise? So it, it's very eye-opening and it's, um, it's interesting. I, you know, I made some mistakes back then, for sure. Uh, in hindsight, and if I was being honest with myself, looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, that was 
it wasn't worth it. And now, now that I'm at a major airline and now that I've been here for nine years and I'm, I'm making career money and, uh, it's just not worth it. It's easy. It's, I find it to be really easy when I go out to, to shut it down, to leave, to, to, to pull the plug on, on the partying because it's, it's too much riding on the line. So that brings up an amazing question too, because people always look up to those who came before them too. You know, I'm sure, you know, you spoke to somebody like your dad or his friends, or you had a, a little pilot sitting in the left seat. Um, what can you say? And I know type A people, especially people like us are probably experiential learners are going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything that you can tell the collective of any pilot who listens to this? I mean, aside from the obvious, don't do it, but Maybe I like the breathalyzer. I mean, that's a good piece of advice. What else can you tell them? I think getting that sounds amazing and practicing prior, not, not that day, but oh. having four beers at the family barbecue, see where you blow, not eating, eating, like play with it, like learn, yeah. learn yourself. Dude, that's, that's so important. We actually, Barb got me one for Christmas, like a, a police grade. Uh, and what we did is we sat down one time and, 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 uh, uh, guys, radio personalities here in Southern California used to do it. Mark and Brian used to do it. Uh, once a year, they would get drunk on the year and they would actually do the, they'd have a police officer there and they would, they would sit there, be drinking. They'd do their blood alcohol level. I'm like, man, I've only had three drinks, but I'm a 0.08. I'm a point. So what we did is we sat down, we both started drinking because I can, I can handle a lot of alcohol. Scott see me, but we sat there and I had one drink blow into it. I'm like, literally I had like six drinks and I was blowing a 0.13 or something like that, like re legally drunk. And I'm like, I could easily go drive to LA right now. Like I yeah. feel totally fine. I, I mean, I'm totally good. But doing that exercise was eye opening because it's like, you, Chris, you can't fucking do that. You know, no. no. Yeah. So I think everybody should do that just to know where their own uh, levels are at. But yeah, please. Answer yeah. That. yeah. I bought this little Bluetooth one that works with your phone on Amazon. And I, in hindsight, I've said this a few times. I, I really should reach out to the company and got royalties. Cause I, I think I've gotten two dozen pilots to buy one. And I told them, I was like, this thing is, is wacky. Uh, but back to your question, Scott, I, I think the important part is, you know, people that are in that cycle can be hard to reach, but I think it's, you know, maybe the person that's working with them, right? Like, I, I think that's the important part is that we do it as a team. And if, it, you know, I've flown with guys and I've had talks, I've had talks with guys like you, are you kidding me that now you put me in a bad position, but what's going on? What's going on with you that, that you're here right now, you know? And, yeah. and I had a good, I had a good friend who, a uh, great guy, a great pilot, but it, it just got away from him. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't always that way. It, it's, it started slowly, but you know, he was telling me a story of, yeah, my wife doesn't like me drinking now. So I hide bottles of vodka in the trunk. And you know, when we were at a party the day and I'm, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're hiding vodka in up where your spare tire should be. And yeah, he no. didn't think he had a problem. It, it was a very, it was a very slow progression to that point. And, and we had a chat and, and it was eye opening. He's like, wow, you know, you know, Chuck, Chuck's usually there drinking with me. And now here's Chuck looking at me eye to eye saying, Ken, buddy, where are you at right now? You know, and that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's tough, but I think it's important in, in, in all of us to, to see it. Right. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you're seeing it and, and to be be a professional, have that conversation. Like and I will say most of the airlines, we have a, a HIMS program, another acronym, Air Aviation is full of acronyms. I'll look it up. But it's, it's for pilots with alcohol or abuse problems. And if you self-identify, um, you can enter this program and they'll they'll get you treatment. And it's 
no indemnification. You, you, it's, it's, uh, you know, you keep your job and, and there's some strict guidelines going forward. Once you enter the program, you have to run straight and narrow, but, um, you know, maybe if you see somebody like that, you have that conversation and you say, hey, look, we have, have you looked into the HIMSS program? We can, we might be able to help you because what's going on with them, right? 99% of the time, someone that's gotten to that point, something's going on. They're, they're hurting in some way, you know, and it's, they, they need someone to, to step up and say, hey, what's, what's going on? Let's, let's talk about it because this is, you're putting this thing at risk. This, I, I, I drive to work loving what I do. I get paid massive amounts of money. And I'm going down 93 in shitty traffic. Like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get to work today. I'm so excited about what today is going to bring. How lucky are we, you know, to, to blow it over booze is, man, hard to imagine. And I think, I think we need to take that, too, to everybody's job. Mm -hmm. you, know, you listen to the passion behind your job. Like, make sure that you find something you're passionate about and don't drink to hide from it. Um, I mean, it's, again, like having a drink on a Friday night live show or, or this show with the unfiltered experience while we're having a drink, while we're talking. Like the funny thing is this is probably the one time of the week that I'll have a couple of drinks, except for maybe date night. I'll have a glass of wine with my wife. Like I just do it because we're sitting here. It seems like it's part of this process, you know, and I never <laughs> get drunk. I have my two drinks and I, I go to bed like I'm that old and boring. But to the point, if you're anesthetizing to avoid things, then that's yeah. not the best thing. And so I think again, you know, Chris, you know, what, what do you think? What's the final thing we can wrap up with here? Because I'd love to see, you know, your your perspective, Chris, and your perspective, Chuck. Chuck, what what's the one thing that we can deliver right now to both a pa passenger and a citizen of humanity that we can do differently, being more empathetic to those people who are we're traveling with and just worldwide in all respects? Yeah, it's a yeah. great it's a great point. And I feel like I've gotten us off the rails here today, but let's no, let's, let's bring it all oh, back yeah. together. The pilots are the pilots are working as hard as they've ever worked right now. Uh, the flight attendants are by far. I've never seen flight attendants doing longer days, longer weeks, longer months. They're they're working as hard as they can. They're getting forced to work right. Uh, the, in general, the pilots' work rules are are set by the FAA, set by our contracts. Uh, the pilot the pilots' work rules can't be messed with. The flight attendants are working on. Uh, we're going to try to not work you more than eighteen hours. I mean, that's the rules of flight attendants working on, but the airlines are, are are forcing the flight attendants to work longer shifts. They're forcing them to come in on their days off. They're forcing them to stay at work, right? They're, they're doing a turn and they should be going home. And the, the companies say, no, we need you to do this. Now we're, we're shorthanded. The workforce isn't there. I mean, the pilots aren't there. Flight attendants certainly aren't there. Um, everyone is working harder than they've worked. The system is, is getting better, right? I, I mean, this is, we are at unprecedented travel levels, and we're also at unprecedented pilot retirement levels. We're at unprecedented workforce shortage, le shortage levels, right? I mean, no one's working at Hudson News in the airport anymore. No one's working at Starbucks in the airport anymore. The Starbucks lines are longer than I've ever seen them, right? All of this stuff adds to your frustration. Yeah. You show up at the airport, it took you longer to check in than normal. It took you longer to get through security than normal. You finally get through security, you can't get a fucking coffee now. The Starbucks lines out. And now you're pressed for time to get to the gate. You get to the gate, they're not boarding as fast as they were. We're pushing off the gate later than we usually do. It's it's unprecedentedly difficult. But just the simple things, and it's it's not just the airline industry. It's, it's everything. It's your, your grocery stores, your restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. The restaurants are absolutely running on the same parallel as airlines, right? Every restaurant I've been to, the service is slower. Uh, they're shorthanded. There are signs in the window that they need help. 
right? I mean, the, the service industry has never been worse, I don't think, in the, the entire time I've been alive. Sure. They're doing the best they can. And, and you know what happens when you get a waitress who apologizes because it, it took you a little bit longer to get that drink? You say, I know what's going on. It's no problem. And they're like, really? It's the same thing. It's the same mm-hmm. thing on an airplane. Your flight attendant's overworked. The person sitting next to you is going through it, right? Maybe their flight got canceled last night. Maybe they spent the night in the airport. It's, it, it's just a basic humanity. And that's, that's why I was so excited to be here, Scott, when you talked about what can we do, right? It's so simple. We need to get back to that renaissance we had after 9-11, like you yeah. alluded to earlier, that Amen. everyone's working hard and everyone's stressed and nothing is going the way it used to go. But this is it now. This We're not in 2018 anymore. Yeah. We're in 2022, and this is the way things are right now. And the airlines are scheduling as heavy as they can schedule because they're trying to recoup two years of losses. It's busy. It's tough. And pay you guys and keep the economy going. I mean, there's a lot of pieces here. What do you think, Pay us a lot. I think I think that's a magnificent question. I think it goes back to what you said. You know, when you said empathy, for me, it's about expectations. Like when you think about like we're going to be traveling, Perfect. my expectation the last two times I've traveled is get there earlier, get through TSA, go to the bar, have a couple of drinks, have a meal. The plane takes off on time. Great. If not, I've got my book. I've got this. If something happens, my expectation now is is to go there and and understand that they're, everybody's doing their best. And I can always I can always see that people are hustling and everything. And just having that 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 expectation. Okay, hey, things are going on that, that are being different. But having that empathy, you know, when I walked onto the plane when I went to Chicago on my way back, um, both, both ways is I always talk to the, to the flight attendants, like, Hey, how's your day going? You know, hope everybody's been good. You know, just like, like you said, you know, just being nice to them. And it was funny because then they came back and they said, Oh, can we get you anything to drink, sir? And I said, Oh yeah, I'll take a, a Jack and Pepsi. And I went to get my credit card out. And because I was nice to the guys, like, oh, no. and I was just like, Oh, thank you. I didn't expect that. But you know, just giving empathy and compassion to everywhere you go. Like when you go through the grocery store line, my intention, I was telling this somebody the other day and they were, couldn't believe it. So my intention is that I want that cashier to go home and say, this guy in a hat and a bandana came and made me laugh today. He was like the highlight of my day. So if we all take responsibility to go and look at our fellow human being, not as an adversary, not as a competition, not as somebody that's not giving us what we want and what we need and what we expect to have empathy and forgiveness for them and say, Hey, we're all in this together. What can we do to make this a, a better experience? Um, that's the way I look at it is, you know, not, not being so caught up in it's all me, me, me. It's like, you know, people are trying to get to weddings and, and funerals and, and people are sick in the hospital. I'm going to fucking Italy. I'm going to Chicago for a speaking, you know, for me, I just put it back into perspective and just try to enjoy as much of the, the process as I possibly can. Awesome. Brought in the aviation expert, and Chris summed it up way better than I could in the last five minutes. So. <laughs> the expectation. I love the expectation. Yeah. We have all to reset our expectations, especially in travel. It's it's not the way it was, and I love that. It's it's perfect. You know, you have to expect some hiccups. You have to, right? You're going to the Maldives. Don't give yourself an hour connection. Right? Those days of oh, I have big connections, bro. <laughs> big connections, and I yeah. I've, I've plugged in all the opportunity for error. Granted, error could go beyond that uh, that space you've created, but I'll be fine. I'm going to be flying a twin otter. One of the first the first paid jobs I got was flying a twin otter. Yes. and they have tons I of them remember. in the Maldives. They they're on uh, floats. Oh man, it's the coolest airplane ever. Throttles overhead. Oh, awesome. that's <laughs> the one that Mark jumped out of, right? When I yeah. when I snuck Mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I took. I took one of my buddies. I said, I uh, I just made up something like, oh, we're going to do blank. Like, just made up something. Drove him to the airport, put him in the plane, and we dropped him out of the plane because he had never been <laughs> skydiving. I already, I already awesome. been. And my friend was like, "Don't ever." 
ever, ever, ever do that to me again. But it was the best day ever. You know, yeah, it's it like awesome. it was horrified. But, you know, somebody throws you out of a plane. That was nice. So, that's the <laughs> well, kind Chuck, of friend I am, Chris, right there. I throw people out of planes. And I know. I hung them. out with you. I won't say what we did, but he's, I was a little distorted for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, the breathing and the other stuff. But anyways, oh, yeah. Chuck. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you for your candidness. Thank you for your openness. Thank you for your honesty, your transparency, and more importantly, the solutions that you shared with us today, because this is going to go out to so many different people. And, and, and the fact that it's flying season right now, we're going to share the shit out of this and just make sure that cool. people do have that empathy and compassion. So thank you, brother. I can't wait to meet you in person. And um, yes, we're going to put you backstage here and we're going to end the show, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay. There we have it, Scott. That was a that was a beautiful conversation. Thank you for bringing Chuck to the equation. And, uh, you know, I, for one now, I've had a little anxiety about thinking about the Italy trip and flying to Frankfurt and then from Frankfurt to over to Italy and flying back and everything and thinking about my wife coming back from Orlando. But now I just, you know, now that he's really assured us that the safety, you know, the safety and the security is of paramount concern. I'm okay with the flight being delayed. I'm okay with them double checking to make sure that, you know, things are working and everything. And, and really just having empathy and forgiveness for my fellow passengers that might be unruly. They may be trying to get to something that's, that's really um, devastating for their family or exciting for their family. So uh, I'm going into it with open expectations, but uh, I feel, I feel um, a lot better after having this conversation with them. Amen, man. And I think uh, one of the biggest things, and you know, back to Chuck's point, is mistakes are mistakes happen when we're on autopilot. Because on autopilot means we're just looking straight down, looking ahead of us, and so if a variable comes in, we don't see it. But because people are off autopilot, might be working a little extra, they're observing, they're looking at what's going on. So I think safety. It's kind of like when's the best time to fly a plane? The day after there was a crash. As crazy as that sounds, because no one's on autopilot. Everyone's going, okay, what do we miss? What do we miss? What do we miss? And they're not just going, I'm doing my job, safety check, press the button, start the plane, fly away, here's your drink. People are in the moment. And so we're always talking about being present. Everything that Chuck just said is about presence. Now, can we take this moment right now where we're short-staffed and we're not getting everything that we would like to get, be in this moment, be present, and now can we scale that? Because in the past, that's where we failed. We get all alive and excited post 9-11, and then we get out of the moment again. We go yep. back on autopilot. Yep. I want to see people's actions stick, and hopefully this conversation's a way that we can start doing that. Start with travel. Start with your own life. Start with the leeway we give hospitals, our school system. Everyone's doing their best, and I think that's the message I got from Chuck today, and I love everything he had to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I do too. And thank you guys all for being here. We appreciate you guys watching live or on the replay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're watching on the replay and you still have questions, go ahead and put those in the comments and we'll make sure that Chuck um, gets back to you and we'll give you those answers because this is all about you being a part of this conversation, whether you're live or on the replay and making sure that you know that you feel safe flying and that you have your your questions answered. Um, that's what Scott and I do every single week, bringing you guys the experts, bringing you the conversations to be able to open your eyes and shift your perspectives about this. So we hope that it's shifted your perspective. And also make sure that you go check us out at www.theunfilteredexperience.com, theunfilteredexperience.com. Go there, become a part of the Unfiltered crew, and please let us know what type of guests, what type of subjects you'd like us for uh, to be on the show. You know, we've covered all sorts of different dynamic subjects. So let us know in the chat uh, what it is that you would like to see, and we'll make sure that Scott and I have it happen. Uh, we appreciate you guys for being here. We'll be here next Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. As always, go check us out, www.theunfilteredexperience, and we'll be back next week. Cheers. Love you, superstars.